This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Athletes and fans alike are enjoying the middle of the high school football season and are looking at their chances to nab a spot in the state finals brackets. College football is in full swing, and Monday Night Football is extended to nearly every night of the week. Football attracts a large Native following, so gear up. We're talking about what football means to you. Join us after National Native News. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. Hurricane Ian made landfall Wednesday, causing catastrophic flooding over east central Florida. Ian has weakened to a tropical storm. The National Hurricane Center forecasts life-threatening flooding, storm surge, and gusty winds across portions of Florida, Georgia, and the Carolinas on Thursday. The Seminole and Miccosukee tribes are working with tribal partners, including the Federal Emergency Management Agency and other federal departments. The Seminole Tribe's Hard Rock Tampa Casino closed Wednesday to all non-registered guests in preparation of the storm and will reopen when conditions allow. FEMA has set up supplies and personnel ready in different locations to help where it's needed as soon as possible, including providing water, meals, and cots. On Thursday, President Biden declared a disaster for Florida, which opens federal aid to supplement state, tribal, and local recovery efforts. Indigenous people in Canada and the U.S. are recognizing September 30th as Orange Shirt Day or Every Child Matters Day. The day is to raise awareness and educate about the harms of Indian residential schools in Canada and Indian boarding schools in the U.S. The St. Regis Mohawk Tribal Council in New York this week signed a resolution declaring September 30th of each year as Every Child Matters Day to bring attention to the ongoing dark legacy of Indian boarding schools. Federally funded church-run schools removed Indigenous children from their families and communities in attempts to try to assimilate them into Western society. Students were stripped of their cultural identity and faced abuse. Trauma inflicted upon children at Indian boarding schools continues to have generational impacts. The Every Child Matters Day in the community will be a day for remembrance, reflection, and reconciliation. Participants at a conference at Eastern Washington University this week heard about efforts to restore salmon runs in their region that were cut off when dams were built on the Columbia River and its tributaries. Spokane Public Radio's Steve Jackson reports. Since 2014, the Upper Columbia United Tribes have been working on a multi-tiered approach to reintroducing salmon into waters of the Upper Columbia, including placing juvenile and adult Chinook salmon into rivers near Spokane. Habitat restoration biologist Tom Billado of the Coeur d'Alene Tribe says that initial step is an experiment to see how the fish do in water that's not seen salmon since the early 20th century, as well as to reconnect tribal members to the fish that was such an important part of their culture. Some are just getting the kids out in the water, getting them familiar with salmon once again, getting them, getting the whole community actually involved and getting fish in the water and holding these events and, and getting that connection back to salmon that were lost so long ago. So far, the experimental releases have seen some success. Tiny Smoltz managed to grow into juvenile fish on the Sandpoil River and Shimmican Creek. On Hangman Creek, 1,500 fish released at the Idaho border made a successful journey down the Columbia to the ocean. 
we received multiple detections of those juveniles as they made it out of the blocked area down through the uh, anadromous zone in the Columbia River. And then two years later, adults started to show up. We saw two different adults come up and got detected on every single dam moving upstream and rather rapidly. Bilodeau says those experiments will continue, and it's hoped the salmon can continue to thrive in the upper Columbia region. For National Native News, I'm Steve Jackson reporting from Spokane. The 2022 National Tribal Leaders Climate Change Summit is taking place in November in Washington state. Native leaders are gathering to advance tribal climate change policy and action. Young people are also expected to examine the cultural, economic, and social challenges of climate change. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by Vision Maker Media's ninth biennial Vision Maker Film Festival, celebrating together. The Vision Maker Film Festival will present five weeks of indigenous films at visionmakermedia.org, October 10th to November 11th, 2022. Did you know one in 26 people will develop epilepsy during their lifetime? Or that one in 10 people will have a seizure? Call 1-800-332-1000 to speak with an epilepsy information specialist. The Epilepsy Foundation supports this show. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. Welcome to Native America Calling, I'm Sean Spruce. We are in the middle of football season. Fans are back in the stands after the pandemic. There are state championships, scholarships, NIL deals, and bragging rights on the line. In this hour, we'll talk with Native football coaches about how their season is shaping up and how the sport shapes and influences young people. We'll also hear about how football has a loyal, lifelong fan base among adults. We'd like to hear from you. Tell us why you love your hometown football team. Are televised pro and college games a big part of your weekend? Call in and tell us about them. We're at 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-996-2848. We're talking football today. Let's get ready for kickoff. Joseph Clanch is Dean of Students and Head Football Coach at Hojo Academy in Gallup, New Mexico. He's from the Puyallup Tribe in Washington State. Joe, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Glad to be here. Joe, it's really exciting to have you on the line. And I understand you just started a brand new football program from scratch there at the, the Charter Academy in Gallup. Tell us about it. Yes, sir. So um, we only have ninth grade students, K through ninth grade, and every year we're adding a new grade. So next year we'll add 10th graders for the first time and 11th graders the year after until we get a full K through 12 um, student body. And um, we started a football program this year, all the way from our six-year-olds who are playing six through nine are playing flag football. We have 10 to 12-year-olds playing in a, a local TDFL Yaffle football league. And then um, I'm in charge, directly in charge of the middle school program, our seventh and eighth graders. And we just have those ninth graders 
as our junior varsity varsity. And so um, that's, that's our new program. We've played four middle school games so far, and we've played three JV games this season. Now, did you folks just have a game last night? We did, yes. We played Zuni. Um, our, our middle school faced off versus Zuni's middle school, which was a little strange for me because I had been a coach in Zuni for, for a number of years as well. Um, their, their head high school football coach. And so, yeah, we played under the lights here in Gallup last night. Well, Zuni's got a, a strong football tradition there. I know the principal of Zuni High, Don Sparks. He's a, a New Mexico high school football referee. He is, yes. Yes, he is. Um, he's officiated some of our games before. Um, and, yeah, Zuni has a, a, a loyal NFL college fan base there, and they definitely they love their – their high school and middle school program. So we played in Gallup last night and it was a home game for us, but they, they brought more people um, to the game. Well, Joe, tell us more about this uh, really comprehensive football program, grade six, all the way through high school level. I mean, football is, uh, you know, one thing it's, it's an expensive sport, right? The equipment and all the coaching and everything. So, um, what what got everything into place? How did you folks, you know, get everybody on board with with starting this this new program? Yeah, there was a there was a group of ninth graders that were here. Um, they were eighth graders last year, um, and they were graduating or being promoted into the ninth grade. And they loved football, and they wanted to have a team here at Hojo. And it was kind of a deal breaker for them. Either Hojo was going to get football and they were going to stay, or they were going to, many of these students were going to go somewhere else so they would have the opportunity to play. And so um, I had been in conversations with the athletic director here who was a former football coach. And I told him that I had a vision of building a championship football program in this area of the state that I thought it could be done. And um, I was just looking for a good opportunity to do that. One that was close to where my kids would go to school. Um, I have four children of my own and I wanted to be close to them. And um, so they reached, Hojo reached back out to me in, in April of last year and expressed interest in wanting to start a football program and our thought was we would just focus on the ninth graders and we would play six man because the class size at, a charter, at our charter school is really small. We have about 50 students per class. So we had about 50 ninth graders. Um, you know, 50% of those are boys, so that's 25. And of those 25 boys, you know, like to field a full 11-man football team seemed unattainable, um, but we were able to – I was able to come into the school in May, and there was already a football coach here um, serving as a principal who, who was interested, and we were able to just really work the halls and recruit students, and we started, um, we started this summer with about 24 kids that were 7th, 8th, and ninth graders who consistently showed up four days a week for three hours a day for summer training, and... Um, by the time we got to the fall, we had just enough kids to piece together 
an 11-man JV team and an 11-man middle school team. And so um, we're two months into the football season now, and we've had a total of seven games, um, four for the middle school and three for the junior varsity. And our kids have been working extremely hard. Many of our kids, actually none of our kids, played any middle school football, partly because of COVID. And then the other part was Hojo didn't offer it at when they were in middle school. And so many of these kids haven't played football ever. And then we have a certain number of kids that played a few years of the local youth football okay. that Gallup okay. at, that Gallup offers. Yeah. So a, a lot of new players on the field and, um, this is really inspiring. So, so these kids gave the school an ultimatum. You start a football team or, or we're heading out the door, huh? And, and, and <laughs> that's kind of how it worked. Yeah. There, there, there was a number of students that had that interest. And I, and I think on the other end, our athletic director was listening to them and was like, you know, this would be really good for us. This would be really good for you. Let's work really hard and, and make this happen. Mm -hmm. And so, um, we called a meeting together. We met with their parents, and there was a lot of interest. And one of the first things we did was we attended the UNM football camp this summer there in New Mexico. And that's an overnight camp where you're able to go camp out for three days on campus. And that was a special experience for our kids. And we just have continued to grow as a program. And, uh, and Joe, that time. The the students and their families, the, the overall Hojo Academy community, what's been the response? Are they excited about these new teams? They're very excited about it. Yeah. Um, all their families travel wherever we are. So we don't have our own stadium yet. And so we play on the road um, and we find places to play here at home. Like right now, when we play a home game, we're playing at the local youth football stadium. Um, we play over there, and we borrow that space. Um, we use the city's field to practice on, and um, the parents, yeah, they're they're definitely supportive and excited for their kids. And um, it's been a, it's been a really positive ride so far. Well, Joe, it sounds like it's just, it's just been a wonderful experience for everybody involved, and uh, we're going to be paying attention and, and wishing you all best of success there at Hojo Academy in Gallup, New Mexico. Joining us now in our Albuquerque studio is Eric Brock. He's the athletic director for Santa Fe Indian School. Eric, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Eric, Santa Fe Indian School, uh, how's your football season shaping up so far? Well, we're about uh, about to get into districts now. Um three uh three games uh away from uh you know starting districts uh we've played uh local teams there and uh we have uh one win on our docket right now and uh looking for more but uh you know we play in a pretty tough tough district but our uh, coach is confident that uh, he's going to go in that district and make some noise sounds exciting and Eric, uh, you know, Santa Fe Indian School has a, a great, great football tradition. It goes back many, many years. Does the school continue to honor that legacy? We do. We do. Uh, we're, you know, proud to have so many kids from all over the Pueblos and Navajo Nation and 
um, Apache Nations that come out every year, and we try to make sure that their experience is a good one. Uh, we're 7th through 12th, so we do have a middle school program and a high school program, and, you know, we really try to get those 7th graders and 8th graders ready for the high school um, experience. And um, we also understand, like uh, Joe was talking about, that, you know, some kids have experience and some kids don't, and we try to take each kid in on their own merit and see if what we can do with them and uh, get them ingrained into our program. Well, I remember years ago, my grandparents telling me that uh, during World War II, the Santa Fe Indian School, uh, after their prom football game, every one of the players um, left school that following day and enlisted in, in the U.S. military for World War II. Have you heard that story before? I have heard that story, and uh, you know it's uh, very inspirational. And uh, there's also stories about uh, how the uh, girls wanted to play in some of those football games to try to make sure that they finished their season or for the next season uh, what they could do. And I think they actually ended up playing some sort of like uh, flag football games or powder powder puff type games to uh, have a football season so that, that Santa Fe Indian School didn't miss out. Well, we are learning a lot about uh, New Mexico football, but we're going to learn about football in other parts of Native America as well. Uh, we've got a former NFL player that's going to join us, and uh, we're just really excited about this show. So give us a call, 1-800-996-2848. We're going to take a short break, but we will be right back. So give us a call. We want to hear from our callers today. Any football fans out there, reach out, 1-800-996-2848. Indigenous chefs are among those taking on the competition in the new Hulu reality show, Chefs vs. Wild. And a Mohawk chef is competing in a Canadian TV cooking competition. The latest installment of the menu tackles reality TV cooking and takes you into a new indigenous restaurant in Washington State. That's on the next Native America Calling. Support by Indigenous Pact, a healthcare consulting company working to create health equity in Indian country. Indigenous Pact offers solutions to fit the needs of your tribe. Their team, experts in healthcare strategy, policy, and innovation, provides a one of a kind plan to solve the issues specific to your community. Indigenous Pact works to create three primary outcomes healing spaces, healthy citizens, and sustainable economies. More information at indigenouspact.com. You are listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Pro football season just started, while high school teams are already looking toward the playoffs, and there's still time to join our celebration of football today. Tell us how important the sport is to you and your family. If you're a former player, what are some of the most important lessons football taught you? We are waiting for your call right now. 1-800-996-2848 is our number. 1-800-996-2848. Joining us from Spokane, Washington is Levi Horn. He's a former NFL player with the Chicago Bears and a current drug and alcohol counselor. He's Northern Cheyenne. Levi, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for uh, giving me a call. Uh, it was an uh, awesome meeting you the other weekend. And, uh, yeah, just definitely love talking about football. And, uh, you know, I'm in the middle of my freshman football season. So, you know, it's a, it's a great time to love football for sure. 
Well, Levi, it's so cool to have a former pro football player on the show. How long were you in the NFL? I was in the NFL for about three years, uh, undrafted free agent. So three years was actually pretty a uh, pretty long time for an undrafted free agent. And I played professionally with uh, the AFL and then also in the CFL for about six six years. Now I got to ask you: Does being a former NFL player does that get you a lot of perks? Uh, it gets you a lot of perks that time, but you know, just like <laughs> the league, uh, what have you done for me lately? Uh, that's kind of, that's kind of how it goes. You know, when you get hurt, what is, what have you done for me lately? Uh, but I, I am a Chicago bear alumni and the next year I'm going to plan a trip to go to homecoming and, um, you know, I guess I get some perks here and there. Well, I first met you a few years ago up in Rapid City. We were both presenters at the Lakota Nations Education Conference, and we both had our sessions scheduled at the exact same time, and, and I was having like a really hard time getting participants, and I looked across the hall, and I saw your room. It was completely packed, and everybody was like, Levi Horn is here, and you know, we're going to go check out Levi Horn, and I'm just sitting there with an empty room, so you are a tough act to compete with, bro. Yeah, uh, that, you know, I feel that same way when Superman's at the same time. <laughs> Superman <laughs> always gets it. <laughs> but, uh, yes, you, you know what? I do remember that. I'm trying to work my way down to South Dakota again uh, pretty soon. So still getting blessed to go out and do these workshops. And uh, really these workshops came out of uh, one of a coach that I was coaching with. It was a real ignorant question. He was like, he goes, Levi, why can you do this? And, um, you know, other natives, other poor people, other poor people in communities, why can't they do that? Instead of just, you know, being hateful or ignorant back to this, this man, I really sat there and I thought about all the lessons that I learned in college and I learned in pro football and all the mentors and stuff and how I've grown, how this great game has made me the man I am today. And I came up with this kind of nine things, uh, nine things and nine areas that people do, uh, that helped them succeed. You know, it starts with attitude and then it builds all the way up with confidence. After doing some research and stuff like that, I was able to make it this workshop that it is today that I'm blessed to go out. and I do it as worksite wellness. I do it in schools. I do it with teams and, um, you know, really pushes me to continue spreading this message and going out and doing workshops. Well, Levi, it's, it's just great to see you giving back uh, to Native communities like you do. And let's go ahead and take a call now. We have Aaron listening on KUYI at First Mesa, Hopi, Arizona. Aaron, thanks for calling in today. Hey, Sean, what's up, bro? How you been? Doing well, bro. Great to have you on the line. Yeah, um, I wanted to, to let you know I'm, I'm a, um, a big number one fan of um, uh, Hopi, Hopi, Hopi High School and um I've been going to all the games like um, football and basketball and and also for for NFL. I'm I'm number number one diehard Cardinals fan and and for the for the high school they need to um, listen to the coach to um, to um, follow their um, their league like um, go for a touchdown or go for um receptive football and um, and. And that too, they need to work on their um, their schoolwork first. Mm-hmm. Then they can move on to um do their plays. Their um, for the coaches, it's kind of hard for them to uh, to listen to their coaches. And um, I want Tough. them to um, con- continue on. And um, and if they finish high school, they can finish and graduate and go to college. 
Aaron, thanks for calling in and appreciate you keeping us, uh, keeping the perspective right, right where it needs to be, right? Football is great. Sports are great. They're extracurricular. But the important thing is that kids get a good education. Appreciate those comments. You give a shout out to the Hopi Bruins there. So that's awesome. And Arizona Cardinals, you and my uncle would get along. He's a huge, huge Cardinals fan. And Levi, um, you know, Aaron makes a really good point. Uh, sports, football, um, you know, we see more and more uh, young kids being really pushed into sports and uh, they're becoming a huge priority in a lot of schools. Um, what's your take in terms of just having the right balance between sports, football, and school? Uh, now I'll tell you right now, uh, the NFL isn't paying my bills. You know, my education is paying my bills. And I, the love for education that I got, I, I never thought I was ever going to go to college. I, I didn't have that opportunity in my mind, that mindset of being, you know, I'm just going to go and whatever – Life serves me up. I'm just going to take it. And football really got me to stop thinking that way. Stop just taking L's and start being a winner. Start thinking, having that winning mindset that I deserve it. I deserve to invest in myself. These people want to invest in me. I need to start investing in myself. And with those great mentors, my mind uh, really changed in that way. But uh, another thing, that one of the things that I speak on is, is having these good people skills our people skills. And this is one thing, it's a harsh reality, but I mean, our kids are a reflection of their environment, the people, the people that raise them. And we have to be able to have those people skills. And it's one of the things that I think, uh, you know, we have so much talent in Indian country. We're natural athletes, you know, Um, but we got to be able to take discipline. And a lot of our kids, you know, they're just like, you know what, I want to show up on game days. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to have it my way. But that's 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 one of the struggles, you know. Football's a team sport. You guys got to all be there, and you got to be there in numbers, and you guys got to be able to sit there and follow direction of what coach says. It's very complicated, and it's one of the things that the people skills that um, and the the trauma that we have. And I'm not saying it's our kids' fault. I'm not saying it's our parents' fault, but it's it's us together going forward and learning and teaching these skills to these kids of how the success is going to be uh, in the future when it comes to all sports and getting our talent really up to that next level. Let's let Eric chime in on that as well. Eric, what are your thoughts on that in, in terms of obviously, you know, when, when a kid's in high school, they're playing football, they're playing basketball. Obviously it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of attention, but uh, the big picture uh, when they graduate, when they move on, uh, how does how do sports, especially football, prepare young Native people for their adult lives? Well, I think uh, Levi, Levi had a great point, and um, you know about kids being able to understand what their role is and how much of that role they need to take on for those sports and academically, and just you know sometimes it's a it's a culture thing, and I'm not saying Native culture. I'm saying like how the school. Uh, develops their kids, how they how they take care of their kids, how they look over their kids, how the programs are designed for their success. Um, you, you know, you want the kids to have fun, but not so much fun that they're losing focus. Um, you want the the kids to stay busy, but not burn out. And so it's kind of a fine line. And um, I know at Santa Fe Indian School, we try to make sure that our core values are you know, infused in everything that they do uh, in sports and academics so that um, our coaches and our teachers push those kids and keep them accountable, but at the same time remind them of those uh, core values that our school's uh, um, based on. Core values, absolutely. And Levi, you're also, you're a coach, you're a player. 
what's the difference between being a player and, and being a coach? Uh, how do you break that down? Um, it's not as much fun. Um, <laughs> no. Being a being a coach you know, isn't as much fun. Yeah, I, you know, because you know, if there's a pill, a shot, or anything like that, man, I take that and I go out there and I give me another game. But uh, you know, this is you know those that can't do teach. So it, getting the coaching and uh, one of the things that Aaron was sitting there talking about, it's it's a lot different now. It's not old. You can't old school coach anymore and really you know be that successful. I I'd say overall for the majority, especially me, I'm in a low com- income area, the most diversity here in Spokane. And I have to be an individual coach because I have to represent, I got to acknowledge each one of these kids' story. I got native Mexican, black, white, and they all come from a low income area. And it's just not, Hey, sit down, shut up. Let's play football. No, it's, it's, Hey, what's going on over there? What happened? You know, being empathetic and showing these kids the love and, letting them be able to enjoy maybe one thing in life. You know, that's that's the difference between how I got coached and the coaching now. And, well, I'd say the good coaching is really the empathy and really being able to walk with our kids when times are hurting because otherwise we're going to lose them. And they're going to say, you know what? You don't understand me. I'm out of here. You know, that's one of the biggest things that I, I, I see, uh, the difference between being a player and a coach is, you know, and, and coaching nowadays uh, especially after COVID, uh, being individual coaching for each and every one of these kids that walk on that field. Old school coaching, just uh, not necessarily what works best uh, with, with young players today. And Joe, I'd like you to chime in as well, because you have this new program just getting started. Are you having to be mindful of, of the way coaching needs to take place today as opposed to what Levi talks about back in the day when coaches were maybe a little stricter, maybe a little harder on players? Yeah, I'm definitely experiencing that. At first, you know, it was just trying to get kids out so that we could play 11-man football. And so just having the numbers and making it fun and making it interesting and making it something that they wanted to be a part of, um, that was that was the focus. And, and now we have a good group of students that are showing up every day, and it's how do we build in – everything that's required to be successful. How do we, how do we make it fun and engaging, um, but also teach the discipline that's required in order to be able to line up, run a motion, and execute a play, and have everybody do their responsibility? And um, I, I, think, I think it is complex. I think, I think the pandemic, I think technology, I think there's a lot of things that factor into it that make a teacher or a coach or a parent's job more challenging today than it ever probably has been in in the history of of human beings. Um, But we're all scrambling to try to figure it out and keep up with them um, because it's not the way that we were coached. And it's not, we're, we're having, there's no, there's no necessarily like, playbook out there for how to do it it's like you're trying stuff every single day to see if you can get it to stick and you can get it to work um i could tell you we uh we won our football game last night 46 to 6 and you know i had a hard time sleeping because we still played so terribly we made so many mistakes and um that's the coach in me you know (laughs) that that's looking at everything seeing 
you know, all the areas that we have to improve and grow and get better at. And these kids, they're, they're joining for, you know, not necessarily most of them, not, not to master the game um, like I want them to. They're joining because, you know, they want to belong to something and they want to be with their friends. And um, so you're always trying to take what they want and, and try to tie in, you know, all these other things that are going to be really good medicine for them for the rest of their life. And I think that, you know, I know I've met Levi before. I've met Eric before. Eric was my college football coach, and then he gave me my first opportunity to coach football. And um, most of the coaches I know, we're all trying to do the same exact thing. We're trying to take this beautiful game and weave in these important lessons because that's what the game did for us and made us who we are. And we're trying to give that back to the next generation of these young Native American men that are growing up. Giving back to the next generation. Listeners, uh, phone lines are open right now, 1-800-996-2848. would love to hear what your thoughts are on football and maybe give a shout-out to some of our guests on the show today. Levi, you played at, at football at every level. You played high school, college, pro. Which level of the sport did you enjoy the most? Uh, I'd have to say playing at the University of Montana because I couldn't get cut the next day. No, just... <laughs> <laughs> shout out to the Grizz. Yeah, shout out, go Grizz, baby, FTC. But uh, that's that's one of the biggest differences, you know. Every day for those two days, it was it was it was high pressure. I got into counseling because I couldn't do it by myself. I mean, I was like, I could be cut every single day. I walked into that place, and it was it was just high stress, high stress every day, man. You had to bring that. You know, in college, it was a little bit more fun. You had the rivalries, you know, you had your brothers. And, you know, there was a lot more invested in those relationships. Whereas NFL, you know, it was a revolving door. You know, your your locker mate might be gone the next day. Uh, you might get pulled out of a meeting. Yeah, it's it's just so, it's just high stress. At the same time, it's you're living a dream and it's amazing. So, you know, kind of, you know, pros and cons of each one of them right there. Uh, it was amazing to be a part of both of them. Yeah, it just sounds like that pressure cooker kind of environment, uh, boiler room kind of thing. And they probably kind of like it like that, just to keep guys hungry, keep them on edge. And uh, Levi, are, are you an NFL fan? I mean, do you, do you still watch games? Do you, do you watch uh, Monday Night Football and all that stuff? Oh, yeah. I'm, that's what I always say. I go, I'm still a Chicago Bears fan. You know, they paid me the most. So <laughs> I'm going to stick with them. <laughs> You know, and that was just really the the um, the relationship that I built with those guys and that that franchise, really that club. They gave me a shot to sit there and represent Northern Cheyennes and Indigenous people all over the place, and I really appreciate them for that. And you know, they knew what they were doing too. They they invested in me and they they gave me that shot, and they they liked having me over there. And you know, they still do. Hopefully, we're going to be doing some stuff for Indigenous kids over there in the future. And so, you know, I really appreciate what they're doing for for me and the kids out there. Do you remember that that day when you when you first got activated and you you knew you were going to start in your first NFL game? Yeah, yeah, no, it was uh, it was amazing. It it was like, hey, Levi, coming up. Um, had to go buy a suit. Had to go go get all that stuff ready. You know, so it was uh, it was amazing time and. 
one of those one of those times that I won't ever forget. And your your family, what was their reaction? Oh, it was it was awesome. I think I had a I think I had an interview the next day, and I got to I got to um, announce to Indian Country that you know I was activated and I was on the fifty three man roster. So you know my and you, when it comes to my mom, my wife, they're they're gonna love me no matter what, but <laughs> no matter what I did. Uh, but it was cool to see the community and everybody like, you know, you know, Levi, Levi got up there, made it to that level. Great story. Great story. Football, high school, college, NFL. It's all great. We all want to talk about it. 1-800-99-NATIVE. That's our number. Phone lines are still open. So if you want to give a shout out to one of our guests, if you want to talk a little bit of football, if you want to talk about your favorite football team, either hometown team, high school team, college team, pro team, our ears are open. We want to hear from you. 1-800-996-2848. Back right after break. November is National Epilepsy Awareness Month. Did you know 1 in 10 people will have a seizure and 1 in 26 will develop epilepsy during their lifetime? Epilepsy is a neurological disorder that causes recurring, unprovoked seizures. Call 1-800-332-1000 to get information and resources. Visit epilepsy.com slash first aid to learn about seizure first aid. The Epilepsy Foundation supports this show. Welcome back to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Football and what it means in Native America. That's our show today. We want you to join us. Are you a football coach in your community? Who's your favorite college or pro team? Give us a call, 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. We've got a caller on the line, Victor, listening on KUNM in Albuquerque. Victor, hello. Good morning. Good morning, Victor. We're doing great, Victor. Great to have you on the line. Great. Yeah, I was just going to express some caution. I got one concussion in playing in high school. Uh, and uh, I've been hearing lately about the, the pros, you know, some of the retired guys having some problems with brain damage. And the other day I was watching here in the North Valley, the, the youngsters in the Yaffle working out there, scrimmaging. Mm-hmm. They're like seven, eight, nine, maybe six, I don't know. Little kids and all the dads hovering around, yelling at them to be tough and all this stuff. I didn't really like that scene very much, you know. Uh, when I was a teenager, I kind of enjoyed clobbering each other, you know. But uh, then I started thinking later, I don't know, man, when I read about the, the damage that happens uh, when you you just free yourself in a way, but then, uh, I don't know, they're starting to try to change the rules now. Right, but right, the, sure are. The, 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 the medical evidence and having the little tiny kids go at it so early it kind of caused me concern, I guess. Okay, well, Victor, uh, let's uh, appreciate that call. And you make a, a really, really good point. Football has taken some real heat in recent years because of the injuries, especially the brain injuries that you mentioned. And we've got another guest uh, on the show today, and I'm going to go ahead and let him respond to, to that issue. Marlon Freiberg, he's speaking with us from Tulalip, Washington. He's the 7G Foundation Northwestern States Region Board member. He's a football coach, and he's a member of the Tulalip Tribes. Marlon, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. 
Well, Marlon, uh, we just heard from our caller, Victor, you know, these concerns with uh, concussions and things like that. And I know that um, they're making efforts to make football safer for younger players. Can you talk about some of those changes to the game? Yeah, I think for, for my community, I'm also on the board of directors here for our local football, youth football program. And what we uh, incorporate is the Heads Up Football, the national program that we implement. All coaches have to go online and do a um, basically a three-hour test. Uh, read, you know, you got to understand every aspect of what can happen, what is happening, and then coach to that, you know, and you don't get on the field and coach unless you complete that certificate so that we know that everybody has that information to make these kids and, and to keep these kids safe. Okay. And Marlon, we're going to talk uh, more about this here in, in just a second, but uh, uh, Levi is going to give us a quick shout out because he's got to run. Levi, you there? Hey, how's it going? How's it going, Marlon? Uh, Good to hear your voice, and uh, yep, we we do that all the way over here. We've got to continue doing that, and you know, it's it's really a parent and it's a family decision. And there's so many good things that can come out of football. Football saved my life. If it wasn't for that, man, I don't know where I would be. And so it's it's really a personal decision. And yeah, when it comes down to coaches, parents got to feel comfortable with those coaches, with the knowledge and experience that they have. So you know, Marlon, uh, yeah, we do the same thing over here. Um, so it is quite a concern, but, you know, you got to do the pros and cons and, you know, hopefully be able to be safe through this wonderful game. You know, everything everything has a everything has a risk and reward when it comes down to it. But, yes, I do got to go. My regular J-O-B is calling me right now. It's a pleasure to be on this uh, show. Uh, Sean, anytime you uh, want to call me up, talk about football, anything like that, I'm with it. Uh, get at me at levihorn.com. Uh, get me out with your teams, any team, any athletes, uh, motivational speaking for schools, uh, worksite wellness. Uh, okay, I do Levi. It all, and I love it. Appreciate it. Appreciate it so much, Levi, for taking the time and, again, giving back to, to the Native communities like you do. Uh, Marlon, sounds like you and Levi know each other. Yeah. I In this state of Washington, we have 29 tribes, and I currently oversee eight boys and girls clubs on Indian reservations within our tribe in Oregon. And uh, Levi has participated in the Lummi Nation. He came up and talked to the kids, and and the kids really loved it. Well, Marlon, uh, you know, you're involved with the game at at, at a lot of levels, and I know the 7G Foundation is an organizer of the upcoming 2022 Indigenous Bowl, which is a game that will showcase Native America's best high school football players. Tell us more about it. So I'm fortunate enough to be involved. Benet Kalik has uh, invited me to be on the board of directors. Um, I do have a, a goal within myself to to help the 7G Foundation create opportunity for these kids. We heard uh, from the two callers before myself uh, the programs that they're building. Congratulations to those programs. Those kids need it. Uh, what 7G does is uh, uh, was started by seven individuals that wanted uh, to go on further than high school. So with those seven young men, they created the 7G Foundation, and from that, they've had uh, a great turnout to the Indigenous Bowl. The D- Indigenous Bowl is is like the Super Bowl for some of these kids because a lot of these kids, they're, they're unfortunately not going on to college or don't choose to go to college, but 7G has uh, created that opportunity for about 65 to 70 Native American seniors to play in an Indigenous Bowl game with each other against each other in the Minnesota Viking Stadium. So that's been a great turnout. We're we're excited for our next year, and not only is it, is it the players that are involved, but it, they're representing their families and their community. So it's a big deal for Indy Country. Now, what's the date of the game there in Viking Stadium? 
It is the 11th. Uh, we have a schedule. The, the players will come in. It's, it's a week-long deal, and it's really, it's really great. And volunteers come out and get the kids together. There's practices before the game. Uh, the kids really have a good time. We have one individual from Tulalip that went last year, and when he came back, I, I didn't know the young man, and I went and introduced myself to him, and I thanked him for the trip he made to Minnesota with his father because now my son knows about the Indigenous game and wants to go. And he's a freshman, so his goal is to get to that game and participate as well as the local Native kids from the different high schools here. Marlon, you said the 11th. Is this October 11th or November 11th? I'm sorry, December 11th. December 11th. That's the game, Indigenous Bowl 2022. And this is, is it the fifth uh, annual game now? Uh, Started in 2017. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. it's the fifth. And, And the listeners, they can go to... 7gfoundation.com. There's an application process on the website. And in that process, there's coaches, myself, and others from across the country that are involved in 7G that we're reviewing film. Uh, we're, we're getting the best kids there possible. Last year, um, a couple kids got selected from a college from Minnesota right after the game. So what we're trying to do is pre, pre um, get these kids a different avenue, right? Give them the opportunity to go to college. A lot of these guys have the dreams to be the Levi Horns, the Austin Corbett's of the world. They have a dream, and we're trying to help them get to the next level. Now, do players apply to the to, to, to play in the game, or are they selected? How does that work? Yes, they go online and, and fill out the application. They send in their film. GPA is very important. I know we talked about uh, earlier some of the calls. We talked about education. Education is obviously comes first for us at 7G. We want these athletes to succeed, but we also want them to be the Levi Horns and uh, fall back on their education if football doesn't work for them. Well, tell us, who are some players that we should be keeping an eye on in this year's game? Well, actually, we're still in the process of filling up the roster. Uh, Myself, every day we're looking at film, so we really haven't uh, identified. I mean, I could be You know, I could say the kids from this area, but they still have to go through the process. I cannot pick them. The coaches across the country have to come together, and then we get together on a call, and then we say, okay, this kid has what it takes because we certainly want to pick the right ones. And from the other coaches watching the film, they have said we're seeing uh, bigger, stronger, faster in this go-around this year. So that's a plus for 7G, which means we're, you know, we're doing what we we set out to do and and help these kids, the best kids, get the best opportunity. I also, uh, Benet, liked me to be on board with this uh, 7G because I, I don't just stop there. I'm a tribal leader for 18 years, and I'm kid-centric. I want these kids to, kids to succeed from no matter what tribe they're from. So I'm also the regional Northwest director for the U.S. Army Bowl. The U.S. Army Bowl is the biggest high school uh, game in, in Texas, Frisco, Texas. So I'm the director, and in that process, I'm able to select the Native kids to, to go to that area and have an opportunity to get their film looked at to possibly get into that game. So unlimited un, unlimited opportunity. I think what's important to me uh, that I talked to the executive director of 7G is that we have to get our native athletes from across the country to understand, to get to that next level, they have to start looking at uh, the film work, um, GPAs in seventh and eighth grade. You know, that's where the recruiting process starts. Um, and, you know, there's a million kids graduating from high school a year across the United States. And in that process, you look at how um, – our percentages. So we want to make sure we give the parents and the kids the, the right information so that they can start building marketing themselves to get to that next level. So it's got to start earlier and earlier, huh? Seventh, eighth grade. I mean, these colleges, they are, they're out there. They're looking 
for, for talent at an early age. And uh, sounds like this Indigenous Bowl is just a really good opportunity for, for some of these players to get exposed because, unfortunately, I've learned in, in Native America, a lot of our great athletes, um, you know, they come from small communities, they play in small schools. And uh, I don't, Marlon, are, are, are coaches paying attention to some of these smaller schools like they should be? Well, they are, and that's that's the thing, right? I'm gonna push in our in our uh, state is that, uh, and as long as uh, 7G is recognizes the name, uh, the statement we want to say to Indian country and to the United States and all the people uh, that hear of 7G, because we want them to recognize that we do have talent. We want them to recognize that we we uh, we care about our kids and we want them to get to that next level. Um, I've held different combines here at our our reservation, uh, national combines here. And so I've been paying attention to to try to grasp what it takes for myself to care, you know, pass on to these parents and, and athletes, because uh, at the next level they're really looking. And if you don't have a certain GPA, they'll they'll look right past you, you know. So these things are very important for these kids that have the dreams to get to the NFL and get to those next levels to college. So there's the structures there; they have to comply with it, or they get overlooked. We've got time for one more caller, Lynette, listening on KNBA in Anchorage. Lynette, hello. Hello. Hello, Lynette. You're on the air. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. I would like to say that um, a little over 20 years ago, Dr. Herman Fredenberg came to Alaska, and he um, he was born in Kenosha, Wisconsin. I'm not sure if I'm saying Kenosha. that right. Or Kashina, Kenosha. native native Kashina. player. Kashina, Kashina. Yes. yeah, Menominee Correct. Res. Okay, great. Yeah, yes, he was Menominee, and um, he was such a great person. He played football. Um, I guess back in 1968. So we're going back some years, but he was very inspirational to a lot of different people. We had called him Doctor Fred. And when he played football, he went to Window Rock, Arizona. He lettered in every sport by 1968. And then he went on to the University of New Mexico and played. He got a full uh, scholarship for dental school in Kentucky. And he had a four-year program there. He finished in three years. And he was very smart, very wise, and very kind person. And he always encouraged young people to go out into sports. And I just would like to say thank you to his family and to his friends and to everybody that knew him because he was just a wonderful person that really, really cared for people. Thank you very much. And he was a great football player. Lynette, thank you for calling in. It's great to hear about this individual, uh, somebody who went on to be a dentist, a Menominee person, star football player. So many, so many great Native football players throughout history. Of course, Jim Thorpe and the legendary Carlisle team. Haskell had great teams. Uh, a lot of great college players, NFL players over the years. Marlon, who are some top uh, Native players uh, in the college ranks right now that you can think of? You know, um, I, I can't, I'm not really into the college thing. I'm, I'm just strictly with youth, high school. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we have a kid, a young man, he's at uh, Washington State University. Jesus Echevarria comes from our tribe, and he's the first, one of the first ones in a long time to go Division One. You know, so our kids here uh, um, are following his, his path, and at some point, 
I'm hoping he comes back to talk to these kids because uh, some of the callers talked earlier about what we're dealing with with some of our youth is that uh, home life and all these other things that a lot of people don't like to talk about. It's, it's, it's a reality for our youth. So when they get these inspirational speakers or the folks that have, have paved the way to the Division One college, which is pretty tough for any country for, for a lot of athletes, but it is doable, as you just mentioned. It's been it's been done over the years, and it will continue to be done. We just have to be behind these kids and help them understand the process, not to get distur- discouraged if they don't make Division One. Help them understand that there's Division One, there's Division Two, II, Division Three, NAIA, all these different things that they probably don't know about, and they can utilize and continue their dream at just maybe a little lower level and build themselves up to possibly Division One. Now, Marlon, you, in addition to being a football coach, I mean, you've been a tribal leader there for your tribe to lay up. And, and what do you think is easier, being a, being a football coach or, or being a tribal leader? You know, uh, I've done many things, and, and you know, I've, I've gotten taught by a lot of elders to, you know, at a young age to coach. I didn't get the choice. They just said, you, you're going to come down to the ball field and you're going to learn how to coach and, and teach these kids to be uh, good students, good athletes, and coaches someday. Um, leadership is one thing. Coaching obviously is another, but I think in the leadership aspect of 18 years, I was in positions to make, go ahead and help make decisions to support programs, identify funding, uh, help support local auctions that offset funding for football equipment and whatnot. But the most enjoyable thing is coaching. You know, it's, it's focusing to see the smile on the, the young kid's face that uh, catches a ball or scores a touchdown. Um, you know, so there's there's benefits to both, but I, I prefer coaching. Well, the final buzzer just sounded, and you know what that means. Levi Horn, Marlon Freiberg, Joe Clonch, Eric Brock, all of our callers, thank you for joining us today to talk a little football. It's been a really fun, insightful conversation. Join us tomorrow for The Menu, our regular show about the importance and growing influence of indigenous food with Andy Murphy. I'm Sean Spruce. I'll be back next week. Stay safe out there. Support by the Facundo Valdez School of Social Work at Highlands University, now offering the opportunity to earn a culturally relevant clinical Master of Social Work degree without leaving your own community. This online MSW degree focuses on a small, supportive model with a clinical concentration. Students in rural areas, tribal communities, and or who live far from campus are given preference. Application deadline is October 15th at online.nmhu.edu. If you or someone you know is feeling sad, hopeless, or experiencing a mental health or substance use crisis, call, text, or chat 988. 988 is a new three-digit dialing code for 24-7 emotional, mental, or substance misuse support. 988 connects you to free confidential support. You are not alone in a crisis. Just call, text, or chat 988. For more information, visit 988.nm.org. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davids. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.